1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks
2: Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yankee Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and you might notice there's a video element to this podcast. We are leveling up. This is like when Wrigley Field had its first night game, like 85 years after lights were invented. But still, we're right on time. We're feeling good. We're getting used to it. And we are ready to talk Yankees baseball in another yankee List week. We don't have real rumors. We don't have, you know, the CBA is going to restrict us from having news and things to discuss, but boy, oh boy, have the Yankees still been in some prominent people's mouths this week. We are going to talk about Rawlings failing to deliver a Gold Glove nomination, let alone a win, to Aaron Judge. We're going to get to the bottom of exactly why that was so dumb. David Ortiz, who's supposed to be on Fox talking about the actual World Series, couldn't stop himself from commenting on the Yankees' dysfunction that he supposes exists Speaking of that World Series, the Braves and Astros both got hot at the right time and neither team has pitching whatsoever. Does does that mean Brian Cashman wasn't that far off in building rosters these past few years? And a couple of surprise rival free agent fits that I want to mention before we really get into the nitty-gritty. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'd be more than happy to answer it. But now, you can also find us on YouTube, and you can find us in the chat, so you get those mailbag questions out way more efficiently, though we still want you to rate and review us. Thomas Caradante, welcome to the podcast.
3: Uh, how's it going? Does it look weird when I record this intro? Because I feel like I look weird. <laughs> it looks great. We got to we gotta upgrade our background, so we got to get some stuff. I'm not home right now, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My bobbleheads and maybe some foam fingers will stick in there when, when I'm in my setting, but it uh, looks great. Happy to see you, man. Um, I'm pumped for the chat. I want people to be yelling at us during this thing. It'll make things a lot more fun. Um, so very exciting here. A lot of Yankee stuff to talk about, even though there's kind of nothing going on. I just wanted the Braves to do us a favor, man, just for nothing in the first they had. They had it. Now, if you blow this 3-1 lead, it's like, it's almost like blowing a 3-0 lead because how, you, just, you have a the crowd is rocking there after that grand slam. Adam Duvall cranks that to the opposite field. You thought the lid was going to be blown off that stadium. And then the Astros, you just they they don't go away. And it's so frustrating. But two games in Houston. We'll see what happens. Uh it's gonna be really tough if they come back from the, it's gonna be this will truly be a season from hell for Yankees fans if the Astros erase a three-one deficit after going down four-nothing in a game that was an elimination elimination matchup for them to watch them hoist the trophy. I won't be able to cope deal, whatever they did
2: it. They did it so easily though. They did it in five seconds and, and it wasn't that long. Like you kind of knew it was like a happen. horror movie. Like a horror movie when you know Michael Myers isn't dead and you see him in the background of the shot like <laughs> popping up and his mask is still active. It's like you're like, it's 4 nothing Braves. Wow, this is so much easier than I thought. Oh, wait a second. The Braves don't have a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And um, there's runners in scoring position the very next inning. And I, I mean, it was – I was at a dinner. I saw it at 4-2. And I said out loud as I checked the score, I think the Braves have blown their entire lead. And I opened my phone to see that they in fact had – Blown their entire lead. It was that easy. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the Braves and Astros World Series first, though. Let's um, while we're on the topic. And and obviously this is a Yankee-centric podcast, so I can't help but watch this World Series and think about the various Yankee-centric possibilities. Um, I was thinking about the Yankees last round too. Quite frankly, uh, you know, I was re- I was nervous about the Red Sox until they were gone. I assumed they were going to finish their miracle run. I didn't really see any way that they weren't going to. And then somehow, uh three in a row, fail, fail, fail. They're out of the playoffs, but. That Red Sox series really did feel a lot like the 2019 Yankees to me, where Red Sox fans are going to look back on that in a few years and say, what happened? I mean, the Red Sox weren't up 1-0, but they were up 2-1. But the Yankees went up 1-0 on the road in that ALCS. You watch that first game, they couldn't have been more dominant. You're somehow like, how did games two through six end up the way that they did after the statement the Yankees made in that first game? Some of that answer is Justin Verlander was a game two starter and Garrett Cole was a game three starter. Because of how the previous series of shook out. So all the Yankees had to do was beat Zach Granke in game one. I understand that. But the Red Sox did feel the same way. They stole game two on the road. And stole, I mean, powerfully stole game two. And then came back home and won game three, uh, 12-3. And it wasn't even a contest. And then all of a sudden, it went from not a contest to completely out of their control. So that's the first time I really thought about the Yankees this postseason. since their elimination, which was egregious. But this World Series has really reinforced one of Yankee fans' least favorite ideas. That. Brian Cashman is building rosters to get into the playoffs because the playoffs are a quote unquote crapshoot and a theoretical hot team can win any year's postseason. Now, nobody wants to hear that. It's not fun to hear you want to dominate because your memories of childhood are the Yankees dynasty running through the postseason. uh, Although that is, you know, not really true. That dynasty was an 88 win team in. 88 or less in 2000. That was the coldest team in September that entered the postseason with probably the least chance of winning the World Series of any of those Yankee teams. And they laid waste to the Mets and won that series in five. So uh, it's a theory that Cashman holds that has been borne out time and again. Um, It's not exactly ridiculous to say that, uh, you know, the 92-win Yankees this year could have made a World Series run, might have made a run past the wildcard game if they had played that game at home, and Giancarlo Stanton's two doubles and a home run had in fact been three home runs. All of these things aren't that ridiculous to track. The bothersome thing is that when you leave it up to chance like that, you end up with extremely talented teams exiting the postseason too early, which begins to feel like a pattern, which is why Yankee fans say, you know, of course a hot team can get hot and win the World Series, but why hasn't it been us since 2009 when we were, say with me now, clearly the best team? That wasn't a hot team that got lucky. That was the best roster in baseball running over its opponents. So the Yankees haven't had a run like that, as an accidental hot team since 2001. But this year, of all years, the Atlanta Braves are, no matter what you think about their position, up 3-2 going back to Houston, they do have Max Freed, they do have Ian Anderson, they're two actual starting pitchers. They are a hot team that retooled at mid-season to take a bad-looking season. They were 50-1 to World Series odds on August 8th, Their trade deadline acquisitions changed the roster entirely, so they went for it when they maybe shouldn't have. Yankee fans would have told the Braves to sell at the deadline, and in fact, many did. But this is a hot team that has managed to parlay having a non-rotation into being one game away from a World Series win. Yankee fans don't want to act like Brian Cashman's vision of building a consistent playoff contender is valid, but this World Series is very much proving that it is a
3: successful way to build a team. Yeah, but... I kind of I, you're right, but I do disagree to an extent because the Braves are a team of destiny this year. I don't think there's any denying that they had a bullpen game against the Dodgers and somehow managed to absolutely dominate it. Um, this Braves bullpen is historically over the last couple of years has been laughable. It's been it's been one of the biggest weaknesses um, that's cost them so many wins. Um, and then you look at uh, the Astros and the Astros are just they're just well built. They And they have the personalities. And that's kind of the other aspect of it um, that that I like to talk about a lot with the Yankees because we had the Joey Gallo report about how he put his pants on funny. And everyone's like, do they vet these guys before they're coming into the Bronx? And while that does sound insane, take the Gallo situation here about how he puts on his jersey out of the equation. Do the Yankees really take any personalities into account because – you look at this team, and a lot of the people are of the similar ilk, very reserved, buttoned-up answers. Uh, the celebrations, they don't get you entirely pumped up. Luke Voigt was probably the main guy who uh, got everyone jacked up with the Stone Cold Steve Austin celebrations. Really wasn't until the end of the year that you saw emotion ripping through this clubhouse when uh, they managed to, uh, what they go, like 6-1 and one in the in that seven-game stretch to retake the wild card or whatever it was. Um. Yeah. You had Aaron Judge saying some cool stuff to the media. Uh. Yeah. Ha- we hadn't heard anything from him of that type of uh vocal leadership up until that point. So you look at the Braves and they did what they had to do in terms of just filling in gaps and getting guys who are scrappy and then filling also uh various roles. They needed a clutch player, Jock Peterson. They needed kind of an all around solid player they got Eddie Rosario who's a menace on the base paths, can play multiple outfield positions lefty bat um we can go on and on about those acquisitions and then you just have the the destiny aspect of it and they're just taking advantage of it and running with it and it's awesome then the Astros you have guys like Correa who we can't speak of him enough we we would love for him to be a Yankee at this point uh Jose Altuve who's a mainstay uh a lot of personality, Alex Bregman, a guy who is also fairly outspoken um, for for someone of his stature. So I think that's the problem with the Yankees because they don't have the personalities. They, especially the last two years, they don't have these guys who's who kind of deliver in clutch situations. You look at the Yankees in 2021 – I think personalities have a lot to do with performing in tight situations and with runners in scoring position. Yankees batted 238 with a 699 OPS with runners in scoring position this year. That is really bad. The Astros batted 272 with an 820 OPS with runners in scoring position this year. So I think that tells a lot of the story. You want to go back to the 2019 Yankees who were absolutely bludgeoning pitchers and running sco- runners and scoring position. And then they get punked in the ALTS against the, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the ALCS against the Astros again. So it's like they, they, they get one step ahead that year to kind of, I guess, break that mold and, and be, um, have the mental edge in some capacity. And they just, they just get steamrolled at home in those in those two games that ultimately decided the series. So, um, Cashman not wrong in terms of building these teams that are unique and score runs and hit bombs, but you gotta mix in the personalities there and and, and have that type of edge because the Yankees clearly haven't had it in what? Twelve years.
2: Also extremely frustrating to me. It just feels noteworthy that neither of these teams have any starting pitching at all. None at all. So lost in all the conversation about how, oh my God, the Yankees don't have a true number two behind Garrett Cole and Luis Severino had to be in the bullpen. These teams don't have a true number one, two, or three. And beyond three, they don't even have pitchers. So like Nestor Cortez Jr. would be a godsend for these teams. The, The game four starters, the Braves were calling people up from AAA. And obviously, part of that was Charlie Morton getting hurt, but a good part of that had nothing to do with Charlie Morton. No. Game four always would have been started by absolute nobodies, and it ended up being a guy named Dylan Lee, who I learned of when the Braves promoted him for that game. That I was like, "Oh, there's a guy named Dylan Lee starting game four of the World Series." Guess I got to learn who that is. Like, and so it is worth saying that the Yankees are. Let's not get distracted by the angry Yankee chatter, which has infiltrated the early part of this offseason. To say, look, we're as guilty as anybody, too. We didn't enjoy watching Joey Gallo in August and September. But there is a much better chance that Joey Gallo is good in 2021, in 2022, than there is that his career is just over and he's done being a productive player. The Yankees and Braves had very similar records down the stretch. The Yankees' incredible record is tainted by the fact that they followed that 13-game winning streak with a losing streak against inferior opponents and had... An awful start to September, awful 10 days, awful 14 days, etc. But they did turn it around, and the one-game difference between playing that wild-card game at home and playing that wild-card game on the road genuinely might have set this whole thing off course. They could have been the ones up two games to one at home on the Houston Astros with a chance to go to the World Series. Of course, that Red Sox team also failed. So now, they're in the same position we are. Welcome. Welcome to the couch. Welcome to the losers. Um, but it was a valid point about a week and a half ago to say that we could have easily had this Red Sox run, uh, you know, would not have taken much to get us there. Let's move on from the World Series to depressing. Um, let's talk about Yankees offseason because the Yankees are stuck in a position where they're back to trying to win awards. Um, awards used to be, you know, it used to just be MLB's way to, to tell uh, players that they're doing a good job. It used to just be, hey, you know, Mickey Mantle. You're gonna win the home run crown, Roger Maris. You're setting records, you're triple crown. That's an MVP season. Uh, you know, sixty-one and sixty-one. That's an MVP season for sure. Now these awards seem like a, a clever and creative way for Major League Baseball to go look at the talent pool and then go. It looks like some Yankees are in the mix. Are there any non-Yankee alternatives too that we can reward? If so. We're going to go ahead and hand it to the non-Yankee. Justin Morneau versus Derek Jeter for the MVP in 2006 is an insane uh, stuff to this day. Sometimes it's Yankees versus their own teammates. Roger Clemens got it for going 20-3 when Mike Messina was a better pitcher in every way. Aaron Judge, Jose Altuve in 2017, Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole this year. Seems like it's pretty easy for Yankees to get into the conversation of second place for major awards, but not necessarily first. And that brings us to the Gold Glove nominees, which, of course, is the kind of thing that you talk about in the dregs of late October, early November, while your team is not in the World Series. The right field nominees for Gold Glove. Uh, again, we have teammate on teammate crime. Joey Gallo has been nominated. Nice for Joey Gallo, who he is on the Yankees. That ignores the fact that Joey Gallo was moved to left field when he got to the Yankees because he was a worse right fielder than Aaron Judge. Some of that is seniority. Most of that is borne out in the numbers. Also nominated Kyle Tucker, who you may remember from being famous and on the Houston Astros. sure. Seems like a decidedly average right fielder to me. And then you got Hunter Renfro from the Red Sox, who has a cannon for an arm, 16 outs on the bases, outfield assists, very impressive. Unfortunately, he was worth a negative three runs on the board in terms of outfield defense, plus three in terms of runners removed from the bases via his arm. So netted out basically to an absolute zero and made the most errors of any outfielder in Major League Baseball. I ask you,
3: why is Aaron Judge not in this group? I have no idea. Why was Clint Frazier part of this group last year? Like, are they, they're trying to, they're trying to screw with us, man. That's the, clearly the worst outfielder the Yankees have had. And I don't even know how long, and he gets a finalist, not and Aaron judge doesn't. I'm not even going to go through the other stats for the other players. All I can tell you right now is that judge played 200 more innings than Gallo and right field, um, which should be enough because here you're, trying to examine the players who logged the most amount of time. And not only that judge played his second most reps in center field and filled in there admirably. So I'm not saying that he should be a gold glove center fielder, but the process here should take into account. Hey, like the guy switched over to a harder position for like 200 plus innings. I think that also should, should play a little bit of a role in the decision-making. And then you look at judges stats, defensive runs sit, look, advanced stats, say what you want. Some are accurate. Some are nitpicked and cherry picked for one zone argument. But when you're looking at the totality of it at the end of the year, judge defensive run saved 11th. uh, I mean, uh, 11 total defensive run saved. First among right fielders, his ultimate zone rating. Another important stat to analyze defense 3.4 third among right fielders. So right there, he's top three total zone runs, which is another important one. He had 16, which is fifth among all outfielders in MLB he had 10 outfield assists which was eighth among all outfielders in MLB and another thing that is not counted or maybe it is counted I don't know I don't know how far the advanced stats go um preventing runners from advancing J- Aaron Judge does that every time a ball is hit to him whether it's a line drive whether it's on the ground whether it's in the air that has to he 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 stops runners from taking the extra bag because of his arm and because of the way he's able to to take great angles on balls Um, And another aspect of it is like the guy is gigantic. I'm not saying give him the award every year because he's he's somewhat disadvantaged for having this lumbering frame, but he's better than almost everybody with this lumbering frame. So I don't know how this went down. I don't think it matters. Marcus Stroman was not nominated for a gold glove, which is insane. Say what you want about Marcus Stroman, too. I know he could sometimes be annoying, but he was objectively a tremendously heads up defensive pitcher. Did not get the nod either, so I don't care about this. It just doesn't make any sense at this point. Why we have to spin our wheels and wonder why? And then people are going to make fun of us. Oh, you're whining because you because you think there's a Yankee bias. There kind of is. There kind of is. It's funny. I mean, for also, it's
2: Rawlings the glove. Yeah, company. it's not MLB. Like, don't they? Have, how much time do you think Rawlings has to like? waste on these gold glove nominations like how, how high on the docket is it when they've got supply chain problems they got to be making gloves like they got they're figuring out overseas factories how long do you think the meeting really is where they're like you know does Aaron Judge's UZR qualify him above Hunter Renfro like we, we understand that but at the same time Renfro's biggest strength is also Judge's biggest strength the yes. judge compounds it by being much better at everything else so and, and you know you can give him the lumbering man award if you want to uh, if you want yeah. to make another award that's just like tall guy doing big things in right field great but in terms of prominence on the national stage haven't we seen enough Aaron Judge to know that he's a good fielder at this point it's just it's like you don't obviously we don't need a gold glove award no or a nomination, et cetera, to even say it. But when Joey Gallo has to come to the Yankees and defer and flop around and they go, we're acquiring Joey Gallo. He plays the same position as Aaron Judge, and there's not even a conversation. He's just going right to left field mm-hmm. where he started dropping loose baseballs, uh, which maybe had something to do with his uh, – <laughs> the media wants me to believe it has something to do with his, his OCD pants. tics. He's, yeah, his, his weird pants he's laying up. I'm like, I'm watching myself in the camera here on the first ever video. I have as many OCD ticks as Joey Gallo, and I hope <laughs> there's not a similar – report about how <laughs> just weird my face is um but like that yeah that none of that affects me at all but gallo was sentenced to left field as soon as he came to the yankees and that feels like it stands yeah. for something all right, let's let's move on let's move on. um so there were I, I mean we can't do 35 minutes on aaron judge's gold glove nomination snub it might be fun though Definitely. um yeah, I, yeah let's let's i'll bring it back later we'll do five more minutes at the end We're going to take a little break. Coming up next, chemistry issues in the Yankees Clubhouse, according to David Ortiz, so I guess we have to address it. Stick around. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code radio and underdog will double your first deposit. When you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash deposit, $100 get $100 free. That's promo code radio terms and conditions apply. So we're outsiders, I guess we, we watch the team every day, but theoretically we're outsiders. We're not in the clubhouse. Um, Red Sox legend David Ortiz, Big Poppy Ortiz. I don't know if he has more knowledge of the metrics of the Yankees clubhouse than we do. I really don't. I don't know how often he's in there. Yeah. I don't think he and A-Rod are boys, I guess. But I don't think A-Rod knows any secrets of the Yankees clubhouse. Like I would doubt it. No. Uh, considering A-Rod keeps going on anti-analytics diatribes that are based. A-Rod's favorite inning of the entire postseason was when the Astros scored four runs on two hard-hit line-drive singles, grounders, shots through the hole, and then a dribbler to second that Jose Siri beat out. And then, like, when the Braves forgot to throw to the right base. And he was like, see that, analytics heads? Like, that's what baseball is all about. Like, no, it's not. And also, your Alex Rodriguez. You hit 696 home runs, like. If you hit a dribbler to second in the clutch in the playoffs, I would be pissed. I wouldn't be thrilled. But <laughs> considering Alex Rodriguez is David Ortiz's only friend in Yankees land, who knows what he actually knows? But Big Poppy was asked this week about what the Yankees needed in their supposed, uh, you know, roster full of stars. What is missing here? Poppy was asked, "What do the Yankees need to be champions? What kind of players do they need?" Presuming there's going to be some sort of spending spree, he said, "Quote." They don't need more players. They need new chemistry. They've got the talent, but the chemistry comes from the talent. If you have no chemistry, you can have the best talent, and you're not going to win. Now, this is what it feels like to us, too. There is something wrong, whether it is Garrett Cole being pranked by Brett Gardner, or it is Joey Gallo's pants, or it is Aaron Boone's management. It's always felt like there's been something missing in the Yankees' clubhouse, but that is, again, a very much outsider take. To say they don't need more players is insane. They clearly do, because the chemistry is not changing if they don't add anybody you can't just yeah. wake up uh day one of spring trading next year and go guys you heard big poppy he says you need new chemistry so start shaking hands um like somebody a couple of you guys grow a mustache one of you guys can go out on the field with no pants we, we need a thing and like we've always criticized the Yankees for feeling you know devoid of a thing they don't have jock peterson's pearls etc but you don't get jock peterson's pearls unless you trade for jock peterson players are yeah. people um you can't say the Yankees don't need players but need a chemistry infusion that being said thomas who knows how plugged in Big Poppy is, whether he's just one of the guys like you and I or whether he's been in the locker room. But do you agree with the basic assertion? It doesn't seem that far off base. And it also
3: doesn't no. feel good to hear it. No, I, I think this is the most glaring uh, kind of take we're going to hear about it all offseason because this is a rival of the New York Yankees. This is a guy who was in club. He, he was in how many clubhouses that won World Series three? He does want the Yankees to fail. Though. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Um, but he was there for 04 when they were embarrassed in losing those first three games in the ALCS and was probably an instrumental figure in leading that comeback. Oh, changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life forever. Dave changed everyone's years. lives. Um, 07. They kind of just what they do that year, but I, I don't even they came back from. Yeah. They came back from down three, one to Cleveland too. another three, mm-hmm. yeah, one. comeback. Well, that the they got the head mental head. edge over yeah. Cleveland there. Cause that's what Cleveland does. But uh, 2013, Eternally. a team that had no business doing anything. One at all. So and then you have uh, 2011 was the fried chicken collapse with the beer. Um, So he's been around clubhouses that are good, that are bad, specifically ones that are very good, ones that had kind of no business taking it all the way. The Red Sox typically do have these types of uh, uh, personality infusions like this year. Did this was this Red Sox team supposed to do much? No, I mean, they did use the underdog mentality because they're like, oh, everyone doubted us. It's like, no, dude, you were just like the fourth best team on paper in the division. No one was making fun of you. They were just looking at rosters and saying, oh, well, the Red Sox lost a bunch of players and they're not as good. So they will probably come in fourth. Um, but nonetheless, they use that to their advantage. The Yankees kind of don't use any of that to their advantage. Um, you know, we talked a million times about these postgame pressers and how they're really boring and how nobody takes – Responsibility. No one is held accountable. Um, there's nothing quotable. I, when was the last time you did a Yankees post game story based on what somebody said that was interesting and not embarrassing? Uh, I don't think it happened this year. Um, and then for fans who have sat here like us and are just like, something's off. Like, don't have too many vocal guys. The celebrations of the dugout are kind of weak. Like, up the spank game guys. We're not smacking each other's butts as hard as we should. Like maybe something there has to change. I don't know what it is, but when we're sitting here saying, eh, I don't think this group of personalities mesh. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if this is it. Like they're, they're constantly down in the dumps and they're playing with their backs against the wall. And like, nothing really wakes them up aside from like one and a half good runs during the regular season. Everything else was just mediocre baseball. And then to have your biggest rival, Ever, maybe (laughs) David Ortiz in this era of Yankees baseball say that that stings. And I, and it's crazy because that's what most fans are seeing. And the fact that he's seeing that someone who's played the game, someone who's been inserted in both good and bad clubhouses, mostly good ones that overcame the odds, I think that speaks to a big problem with the Yankees. And that's something that they need to address this offseason. But he is right. They don't need any more talent. What more talent do they need? The pitching overachieved this year and proved that it could get all the way if it had a stable offense behind it which it didn't so at this point you're acquiring talent that's different in a sense that plays into a a kind of a, a deficiency that you had or it's a player that's going to elevate you mentally um and in more intangible regards so but if you look at the yankees on paper what else do they need i they shouldn't need anything. They should be really good. That's why you're sitting. That's why when they made the playoffs, you're like, Oh, they could make a, they could probably make a world series run if you know, things all go right. But why would anything go right? Nothing's gone right all year. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's very bad that he said that in my opinion, because this is a guy who knows, and he's watching what he's probably watching the body language. He sees how players perform in high pressure, pressure situations, and it's not matching probably what he knows. Um, is required for, for those types of uh, successes. Yeah, it's hard to have more talent. It, it felt like that all year long.
2: And last year and the year before, uh, I mean, you could you could always use another bullpen piece with pedigree. You could always use another, you could use another starting pitcher. I'm not going to say you could, like, yo, the, you know, the, the, the discussion earlier wasn't to say like, the yeah, you should never get a starting pitcher again because Nestor Cortez is better than you know Kyle Wright. Like that's not the talk. But then again, I mean, you look at the lineup and outside of the juiced ball, it's really hard to imagine a better Collection of dudes. Everybody kind of agreed on that. There's a reason the Yankees were prognosticated first in the division ahead of the Blue Jays, who you watched the season play out. That lineup was so much better than ours. Yep. But there is a reason that why the Yankees were picked first. And it wasn't just because of the Blue Jays' youth, it was because people thought the Yankees were actually going to be good and were ready to take a significant step you know, past, uh, the, you know, the previous expectations, um, they're not a 92 win team offensively talent wise. That's what leaves you questioning Aaron Boone, uh, for his post game presses that we've heard a million times. And that's what leaves you questioning things like the chemistry because there's really no simple explanation. when, when the explanation earlier in the season was the Yankees have stopped swinging at and making solid contact with fastballs down the middle, (laughs) it was like, what the, what am I supposed to do with that? Like truly, uh, you know, there's no data that I can read that makes me go, oh, of course. Now the Yankees have forgotten to hit fastballs. Makes sense, and that that leads you to a chemistry argument, like what Big Poppy was bringing up. Um, you said he might be our biggest rival ever. I surely hope he ends my life as our biggest rival ever, because I can't. <laughs> I don't think I can live through another. Place well, I meant that historically. Good. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm saying if, there, if anyone ever surpasses him, I think I'm out on sports. I don't think I could watch uh, Marcello Meyer. Like, I don't know. Nobody else, please. Let, let David Ortiz be the guy. Uh, it'd be nice. Um, so before we sign off, um, no better time than the present to talk about rivals and, and free agents who are now available. We're creating our own rumors. These yeah. are, uh, you know, not sourced. We're just looking at the list of guys who are out there on the open market who we could grab a handle of. Somebody not mentioned and not a player the Red Sox fired hitting coach fired uh, you know what I mean the Red Sox hitting coach Tim Hires today told the Red Sox he ain't coming back uh, and we don't really know why rumor has it it is for a collegiate job which i guess he thinks is an improvement over leading the number 1 ranked offense in baseball from 2018 to 2021 four years running this is not, the Red Sox not only had the best offense in baseball it's easy to forget cuz 2020 their pitching was so bad and they were not a good team Best offense in baseball, uh, best everything. All the stats are the best best risk, best situational hitting. Everything the Yankees aren't, the Red Sox offense has been for four years running now. Four. The defense still has problems. You know, the pitching staff was awful until this year, but the offense has always been the best. And that guy's available, and the Yankees don't have a hitting coach. So now's the time to swipe, swoop in and be like, hey, I know you wanted to be the Auburn manager or whatever the hell. Like, I don't know what college job you want, but. Maybe the Bronx uh, appeals to you um, because you usually only leave those positions for an upgraded job, but maybe he views the A's as an upgraded job. I don't know. Maybe he's given more control. I don't know anything. He had an assistant in in 2021 and 2020, a guy, Peter Fatsy. Maybe he doesn't want an assistant hitting video guy. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you, you know, this is the kind of person you reach out to. So caveat, that's pretty cool, but he'll probably be a college coach and we'll never hear from him again. And uh, a bunch of Red Sox fans in my mentions will be like, JD Martinez is the real hitting coach. And I'll be like, who cares? I don't even know what that means. You also don't know what that means, but rival free agents on the docket. I'm not saying the Yankees should absolutely sign these names, but I am saying if they splurge for a Corey Seager and don't make necessary maneuvers around the margins, they will be making a mistake because even the Oh nine spending spree. Was CC front and center? Teixeira, also a pretty big, uh, you know, free agent splash. But then, additionally, they traded for Nick Swisher. They signed AJ Burnett. Right? It's a everybody remembers CC Teixeira, There were other pieces. It was not just adding CC and adding Mark Tashera and saying our 2008 roster that didn't make the playoffs was otherwise perfect. Uh, Daryl Rasner in the rotation and retiring Mike Messina or whatever. So. I've got my eye on these guys uh, so that no half measures, you know, these aren't your centerpieces, but they're rivals on opposing teams that are at least worth looking into. Um, I don't know how I feel about Juris Familia. I'm going to be honest. Uh, the Mets are, are going to let him go at you. got to imagine because Steve Cohen uh, shops in the bargain basement, and that's what he's always done. Um, after telling us he was going to revitalize free agency, he did that exactly mm. once with Francisco mm. Lindor and then let George Springer and J.T. Real Muto go away and got low-dollar alternatives. So I don't think he's absolutely itching to re-sign a regressing juris familia, but he is coming off a three-year, $30 million deal. He's still just 32 years old. Uh, he's not going to make that ten million dollars a year annually ever again. No. Seven, eight, does that sound right? I mean, Familia is up to strikeout totals last year for the first time in a long time. Seventy-two Ks in fifty-nine and a third innings. Properly, you know, he's got a similar bowling ball sinker as what Clay, Clay Holmes has. Um, the Yankees have Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson money that's kind of floating around. Is Darren O'Day ever going to pitch again? I don't know. That Justin Wilson money is off the books. Maybe Familia is a sixth inning guy for the Yankees next year on a two-year deal at like 7 or $8 million AAV, 16 mil total. I don't know. Luis Severino ideally would be in the rotation. There are more bullpen roles available next year. But the other two are the guys I really want to talk about. Corey Dickerson. He's a Blue Jay last year. He went to the Jays basically for free. Uh, in the Adam Simber trade with the Marlins. At the time, people said Dickerson is hurt. He's not even going to play for the rest of the year. It's just a match salary. The Blue Jays are willing to take it on, blah, 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 whatever. He ends up playing 46 games, starting down the stretch, 110 OPS plus, two years, $17.5 million deal is now expiring. So if they get Dickerson, it's a part-time deal gig Mm -hmm. right gallo judge hicks i guess although i don't want to go into the season with hicks but that's a whole different thing dickerson's not a center fielder anyway uh brett Gardner surely will be coming back but maybe the eggs actually want to power up that spot and use their fourth outfielder uh for something more than just being a you know brett Gardner, an accidental fill-in and a legacy deal Corey dickerson has not had a 100 ops plus or below uh in a full season other than 2021 Uh, 2021, he got a 99, which nothing to sneeze at. It's basically an average season and a 110 mark with the Jays in those 46 games. He's never been below league average in a full season, uh, since 2014. This is a 125, 130, 135 OPS plus guy. He rakes, he rakes from the left side of the plate. He could drill to the short porch. What are your thoughts on
3: Corey? Versatile too. Could play off, played all three outfield positions last year. You got to value that in some capacity, especially with how often they're going to want to be cycling guys in and out, uh, depending on how often John Carlos Stan is going to play outfield, depending on uh, Aaron Judge rest days. Uh, depending on how they feel Joey Gallo fits it's all gonna be kind of a mystery depending I, I, we don't know what they're gonna do so if you're looking at the situation right now extremely valuable a Two, career 283 hitter 815 ops in nine seasons like you take that this guy was an all-star in 2017 he had a great year in um in uh 20 he had great years in 2018 and 2019. Uh, lefty bat too, which is something they're always looking for. He, he can hit for average, like I mentioned. So I'm down with this. I don't know what it'll cost, but then what does this mean? Brett Gardner has gone. I don't know what it means. So, uh, because if you're, ha- if you have what, because Aaron Hicks, another problem. I don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of things here where it's like, if they do, if they are opting to go after outfielders, who's it going to be? Who are they getting rid of? And what is the role of the guy that they're bringing in? I do think Dickerson Um, it fits the mold for defensive versatility, um, and lefty pop and also, uh, lefty contact. Um, but I don't know what that means for who's remaining. Uh, I support it. I just don't know. I don't know what the deal is going to be because I don't know how you get rid of Aaron Hicks's contract unless you eat what 50% of it because he is a switch. There's some value there. He's a veteran. He's a veteran guy. He's a switch hitter. He walks a lot. There are analytically driven teams that will look at that and be like, Yep, there's value. Eat half his salary. Now he becomes a five to $6 million outfielder, which is a bargain. Um, Brett Gardner, he's got the weird team player option that obviously probably means he's here for next year because if the team option gets declined, he picks up the player option. Why would he not pick up the player option? I I don't know. I think it's what the difference is like, what, seven and three million for the two? So, like, I'm sure he'd pick up a one year deal for three and a half million or whatever it is. Um, I don't know, but I do like Dickerson, and that was a surprise. He was really good for the Blue Jays down the stretch and lengthened their lineup in a way you would have never guessed when he was acquired. Um, like him a lot. I take him, I take him in a heartbeat. Just have no idea what the front office is going to do. And we're not gonna know for a while. We're just gonna be making stuff up between now and until the CBA is agreed upon. So enjoy the rumor, Mill, because they're all gonna be yeah, manufactured. I mean-
2: be prepared for us to recycle these exact same names. Oh yeah. months later, and, and be like, do you guys remember when we did this? Because we're doing it again. Uh, <laughs> the other one I wanna the uh, that I want to mention, and, and yeah, obviously none of this accounts for Brett Gardner's supposed lifetime deal, and I have no idea why Brett Gardner is grandfathered into the team forever and ever. Amen. But he's very clearly going to be on the roster until he can't walk anymore. Even though he's you know apparently bothered Garrett Cole to the point of complaining to his media you know mouthpiece last year, and still the Yankees are going to be like. Hey, you might not want to make the best pitcher in baseball extremely angry when he's at his most sensitive. Anyway, do you still want to come back for $10 million next year? <laughs> you, won't, you won't be starting until April 12th. Then you will be. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, we're, we're giving Clint Frazier the starting left field job, but at the first first time he goes over 4 <laughs> Brett Gardner's forever the starter, and it's going to be in Turtle next season. We're not waiting, so don't, don't wait on that. The other one I want to mention, who we've seen a lot and who I genuinely, and I mean this, I have no idea how much money he's going to get, And you could tell me anything, and I would believe it. Eduardo Rodriguez from the Red Sox. From what I've read... The Red Sox top priorities, uh, you know, we saw today J.D. Martinez might opt out. If he does opt out, I don't think he's coming back. No, I think this would be the end of his time in Boston if he actually leaves and tries to take advantage of the universal DH. So that would leave J.D. floating, which I would say the Red Sox are not going to do. That would leave a Devers and Bogarts extension on the table, which they kind of have to do. That would leave Schwarber floating around. I don't know. I still don't really think there's a fit there, but get good players. Worry about that later. Eduardo Rodriguez is a free agent. Are the Red Sox going to pony up for what I would imagine? And again, I don't, I'm i not sure I've ever been more confused on a contract, especially with the CBA talks. Four years, $65 million? I mean, do we have enough data that he's going to need to get, like, five years? Isn't five years, 90, a little rarefied air for Eduardo Rodriguez, especially coming after the heart problems? I don't Yeah. But, like, if, if he gets that, I wouldn't, like, my mind wouldn't be blown if he signs for, like, Five years 85 with the Phillies. Yeah. Um, but four years, 60, it seems somewhat reasonable. Um, we've seen Eduardo Rodriguez reinvent himself time and again. There was an era when it was like, oh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Gary Sanchez and the Yankees own that guy. There, you know, the Yankees the kill lefties, they kill Eduardo Rodriguez. It's like target practice. Not anymore. This year, in five starts, one of which was only like an inning long, because he got cut short with uh not a serious injury, but he went 2-0, 3.13. Struck out 185 guys in 157 and two-thirds innings this year. FIP was 3.32, so ignore the 4.75 ERA for now. At the end of the year in the playoffs, did that really look like a 4.75 ERA guy to you? No, it definitely looked like somebody who stepped it up more often than he didn't. And in 2019, at 26 years old, he was sixth in the Cy Young race. It's easy to forget about Eduardo Rodriguez, how young he is. He's also a change-up guy. Got that in his arsenal, and that's kind of the thing that makes Matt Blake salivate. Erod throws harder than Jordan Montgomery, has a nastier changeup, and Montgomery was sneakily one of the best pitchers in baseball this year at limited contact and hard contact under Blake. He was still bend, don't break, but more often than not, he he didn't break ever, and he usually didn't even bend that much anymore. And Rod Rodriguez is like a plus of Jordan Montgomery. I would love the fit, and again, I just have no idea how to estimate the contract, so if it ends up being five years of security— with those medical issues, I obviously don't I don't need that on my books yeah. because I, I, I'll take anything on my books, but people tell me the Yankees have financial limitations and I go, okay, fine. Uh, but if it's like 460 and the Red Sox do want to pick Kyle Schwarber, I, I would be in that pool.
3: Yeah, I was going to say uh, I could see like four for 70 or I could see like one for 12 and neither mm-hmm. would surprise me. I'd be like, oh, yeah, because you look at his career numbers. What, he, he's got a career four – four one six era i think it is yeah in 159 Mm -hmm. games 150 153 starts 416 era not comparing him to um a guy like trevor bauer who i hate to even mention but he had a over a four career era going into the mickey or um coming out after the uh mickey mouse cy young campaign and he got an mlb record salary for two years somehow still don't understand why the dodgers did that but it's all it is is an argument for agents to be like uh yeah he might not have a Cy Young but that was an 11 start season for a guy like that and he has like similar similar numbers in terms of ERA and FIP so he deserves to get paid um the only reason I'm concerned because Eduardo Rodriguez you you look at his postseason stats and you're like that's not that good but at the same time it's like he kind of does get the job done. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily not give you a chance. Um, I think outside of just getting rocked by the Yankees in the, in that ALDS, he he's been like, okay. Um, And that's what you really need. Eduardo Rodriguez is kind of a guy who's just going to lengthen. I think he's a, he's a three that'll lengthen the rotation. He's a left hand, which is great. Um, and, uh, he kind of pitches, he kind of, it, it, he's one of those guys. It's like, whatever the situation is I'm pitching today and that's great. It's not like he's, he's not completely unflappable in big moments, but he also doesn't fold after, you know, having a great regular season. Then he hits the playoffs and then it's like, Oh, what are we doing with this guy? We, we can't, we can't even put him out there. Um, I think he's, I think he's solid. The only thing that kind of, uh, uh, would drive me away from this, especially if it's, if it's a longer multi-year deal where the, the, salaries are getting to 15 16 17 18 whatever million um he obviously pitches well against the Orioles who has not over the last six years uh 3.11 ERA in 22 games 20 starts um not get against the Blue Jays or Rays so 5.20 career ERA against the Blue Jays 5.21 career ERA against the Rays and that's a combined 31 games um or 30 games so uh I don't know how, if you look at it through that lens, if that matters to you, the only reason it matters to me is because that's who you're going to be pitching against most. And I know the familiarity there does exist, but if the familiarity exists and your ERA is still over a five, maybe I'd think differently if it was like mid fours, you can convince me of, but like, when you average those out, it's 5.20 ERA and 30 starts, which is, which is a bad pitcher. Um, So I don't know. I'd like to take him away from the Red Sox because he does seem to push forward and get the job done when Boston needs an outing from him. Um, But I don't know. Like we said, we know the Yankees seemingly have unlimited funds, but then they will – Go and give out a bunch of money, and then they'll say that that's restricting them from spending more three years from now. So I don't need a third year of Eduardo Rodriguez at $16 million. And then the Yankees are like, ah, we can't spend on pitching in 2024 because we saddled ourselves with this contract and these guys are getting paid. So I do not, I, it's, it's intriguing at the very least. I, I, I'm not sold on it yet, though.
2: No, that does sound like a thing that would happen, and that we should prepare ourselves for already. <laughs> He's probably not coming to the Yankees, but it's just like a guy who you you look at the list and you go, "Oh, Eduardo Rodriguez." Yeah, very interesting to me. Um, I trust Matt Blake with whoever he ends up getting, so I, I'm not so. going to stump for Erod, but just something. We're just leaving you. It's like we said, stuff. November first, long, long off season. We're leaving you with stuff. That is it. For this edition of the Ace Go Yard podcast, the first one that you're able to watch, unless you're someone who happens to live in my apartment or Thomas's home, um, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question or comments or anything like that on the YouTube channel. We would love to interact with you. Keep your trolling to a light minimum or a heavy maximum or whatever you want to do. I mean, you're going to troll, so why would I even tell you not to do that? Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner.
3: And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Our handles are right there for you. You can pop in the live chat um, every episode so we can put your comments on stage. If you got any questions, we'll do the same. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got all the offseason content there for you. Also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyardfs. Guys, a little schedule change for us this offseason. Probably smart for us to let you know. We're coming to you on Monday and Thursday throughout the offseason. Then when the season starts again, it'll be our usual Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But for now, offseason, we're going to try to get these, these uh, episodes jam-packed with as much content that we possibly can. Instead of rushing the little 30 minutes, these might be a little bit longer. They're going to have more substance to them. And, of course, you'll get to look at our faces and call us ugly, I guess, if that's what you're going to do. So pop in the chat. Let's hear from you. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, everyone. Take care. Yep. See you, everybody.